tonight, we want to welcome you to a time of worship during Lent. In fact, this is what we were created to be doing from the beginning of time we were created to worship God. In fact, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. From the time of creation, we are not only created to worship, but we are created to be in a relationship with each other. But as we have all walked this week of our life down this path, we have experienced some separation in those relationships. Maybe you come into tonight feeling that uh, there's some gap between you and a family member or you and a friend. Or maybe this road you walked this week caused the gap between you and God. We all know that we desire connection and God knows it from Genesis 2. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. but there are times when we feel alone. And that separation from God is usually caused by guilt and shame. Can any of you relate to feeling guilty and ashamed sometimes? As we walk this road of life, Satan attacks and causes that guilt and shame to drive a wedge between us and God. And so tonight, I would encourage us to take a few minutes of silence and let God speak his truth over any guilt or shame that we are experiencing right now in our life. And it is good for us to confess to God. And there's going to be a prayer up on the screen. If you would please join me in reading it. It will be up there soon. There we go. Let's pray. Lord God, I have not lived the way you want me to live. I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. Please forgive me. I lay my sin at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name. I am so thankful that God did not leave us covered in guilt and shame, but that we are covered with the blood of Jesus at the foot of the cross. And the words spoken tonight that Jesus spoke to the man right next to him is the words that are spoken to you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Let us worship God tonight with that truth and that understanding, knowing that one day we too will be with Jesus in paradise. Would you please stand?
Invite your presence in this place tonight. As we hear from your word, won't you give us open ears and open hearts to receive what you have for us today? Lord, we know that you walked the road of suffering and that we as your children also are called to walk in times of suffering and of trial. And we are so blessed that we have a good father who promises to walk beside us. And yes, indeed, he does. We praise you for your presence in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So it's only been a week since we started walking the road marked with suffering, and I'm just going to share, it's already weighing heavily on me. So my wife Mary and I were talking about this last night, and I said, so far in my experience of this, here's what I've got, a whole bunch of questions. I said, I think I could probably write an entire message and the whole thing would be nothing but questions. And she said, I don't think you can get away with that. So I only have one main question tonight I'm going to ask you to focus on, and it's the question, how do you respond to suffering? And this is not the kind of suffering that's like a generic, abstract, out there kind of suffering. How do you respond to personal suffering? How do you respond when you suffer? That's what I want to think about for the next few minutes. And I've been thinking about different responses that I've had. One response to my personal suffering is anger and bitterness. I become mad. I I get mad at God. I want to blame somebody, blame myself for mistakes I've made, blame the people around me, blame God for not intervening. Anger and bitterness is one reaction I've had to my suffering. Another one is kind of fatalism, kind of a passive acceptance, but not always so passive, sometimes more like, 
grin and bear it or just bear down and try to get through it or uh, maybe even be the martyr and say, okay, well, if I'm going to suffer, I'm just going to really get into it and let it impact me. Another response that I've had is withdrawal. Like, just deny it. Say, it's really not that bad and just pull back from God, from other people, pull back from the suffering. And then in some days I have this attitude of I want to fight back. I want to do everything I can. I want to figure out everything. I want to fix it. I want to get in there and deal with it and hopefully conquer it or overcome it. I don't know if you ever had any of those kind of responses to your personal suffering or maybe some others. I came across a very interesting article. Someone turned me on to Kate Bowler, who is a theology professor, and she recently had to deal with the question, how do I respond to suffering? And someone sent me a great article. If you're interested in following up, you can Google this. It's called Death, the Prosperity Gospel and Me, is the title, by Kate Bowler. This is how it starts. On a Thursday morning a few months ago, I got a call from the doctor's assistant telling me that I have stage 4 cancer. The stomach cramps I was suffering from were not caused by a faulty gallbladder, but by a massive tumor. I am 35. I did the things you might expect of someone whose world has suddenly become very small. I sank to my knees and I cried. She goes on to talk about how people told her she should respond to this kind of suffering. And one of them was from a well-meaning neighbor. This is how she describes her interaction with her neighbor. The neighbor came and knocked on the door and told my husband that everything happens for a reason. I'd love to hear it, my husband said. Startled, the woman said, pardon me? I'd love to hear the reason my wife is dying, he said, in that sweet and sorrow way, sour, sour way of his. My neighbor wasn't trying to sell him spiritual guarantees, but there was a reason she wanted to fill the silence around why some people die young and others grow old and fussy about their lawns. She wanted some kind of order behind the chaos. Ever have that reaction to trouble and suffering? Give me some order, make some sense of it. One of the most endearing and saddest things about being sick is watching people's attempts to make sense of your problem. My academic friends did what researchers do. They Googled it. They came up with all kinds of answers. Basically, their response was, you can know your way out of cancer. I also can hear what my hippie friends said, their attempts to find the most healing kale salad for me. I can eat my way out of cancer. Or if I follow my advice of my prosperity gospel friends, I can positively declare that cancer has no power over me and set myself free. The most I can say about why I have cancer, medically speaking, is that bodies are delicate and prone to error. As a Christian, I can say that the kingdom of God is not yet fully here, and so we get sick and we die. She's got some other interesting things to say about how to deal with her personal suffering. I wanted to share two more thoughts from the Gospel of Luke. 
from the two men who were hung on crosses next to Jesus. They had a response to personal suffering. They each responded very differently. I'm going to read the story. You listen to hear how each of the criminals beside Jesus responded differently to their personal suffering. This is from Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself. The soldiers came and mocked him. They offered him vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which said, This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay? Two distinct reactions to personal suffering. The first one, bitter, angry, accusing, crying out, cursing. Fix my problem. You saved others, why don't you save us? His concern is that God would reach down and do something. In fact, he seems somewhat entitled to it. God, I deserve for you to come and fix this. He's actually getting what he deserves, but he's still complaining, figuring that God owes him something. Jesus saved others. Why doesn't he save us? Why doesn't he save me? The second criminal reacts very differently. He actually talks back to the first. He makes this amazing confession. We are being punished justly. We are getting what we deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. His response to suffering? Repentance. Getting what we deserved. He's done nothing. His response in personal suffering, trust. I trust that this Jesus hanging on the cross between us is going to do something about this. He turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you come to my kingdom. I think that's a call. Uh, Be with me. He wants Jesus to be with him in his suffering. And Jesus turns to him and says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is saying, I'll be with you. You'll be with me. When you are dealing with your personal suffering, do you trust Jesus? Trust Jesus when your plans unraveled, when your well-ordered world gets all jumbled up? Trust Jesus when 
order and control disappear? The things you thought you had control of? No more? Trust Jesus? Trust Jesus when the suffering isn't removed? When it continues? Trust Jesus when the suffering isn't explained? Don't know why you're suffering. Trust Jesus even if it seems like the suffering is more than you can bear? You can't endure anymore? Keep trusting Jesus? Even if the only thing to be said is the kingdom of God is not fully here yet, but I still trust you. I trust you to be with me. This is what Kate Bowler decided in her battle with cancer. She decided she needs to trust. This is what she says. Cancer has kicked down the walls of my life. I cannot be certain I will walk my son to his elementary school someday or subject his love interest to cheerful scrutiny. I struggle to buy books for academic projects I fear I can't finish for a perfect job I may have to give up. I've surrendered my favorite manifestos about having it all and managing work-life balance and maintaining my potential. I cannot help but remind my best friend that if my husband remarries, everyone will need to simmer down on talking about how special I was in front of her. I have decided that I need to surrender. Cancer requires that I stumble around in the debris of my dreams, dreams I thought I was entitled to, and plans I didn't realize I had made. She decided she needed to surrender and trust that in the middle of this suffering, Jesus is still with her, and that's enough. God is working, and I'm wondering if we need this kind of surrender in suffering, to trust that God is still with us and will never leave us. Maybe we need to cry out, Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And we need to hear Jesus say back to us, today I will be with you. So we want to invite you to spend a few moments reflecting on that and your reactions to personal suffering and what Jesus might have to say to you about that. In a few moments, we'll give you the opportunity when you feel like you're ready to come forward and receive anointing. Oftentimes, we do anointing for healing, and we do believe that God can intervene and heal, and he does. Um, Today, I'm wondering if maybe the anointing that we need is maybe healing from our need to control everything. I don't know why you would need to come forward, but come forward and receive healing. We're going to place anointing oil on your palms. We invite you to come. There's a posture of surrender that many of us have used throughout the years, and we invite you to try it if you haven't. It's turning our palms up as opposed to, like, grabbing a hold of things. We like to be in control. Um, If you come forward for anointing, we'd like to invite you to come with your palms laid forward, and we'll anoint you with oil and with the promise that Jesus gave us that he is always with us. So reflect and feel free to come forward when you feel led to come. We invite you to come up the outside aisles and around the outside and across the front and then leave 
maybe continuing your act of surrender as you walk your road marked with suffering.